0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I am here again with Marcus Washington. You can follow him at MTC with Mook. Before we get into the game, Marcus, how is it going? It's late. how How is everything going? It, it would have gone better with a better performance when you consider what time it is.
1: Yeah, but, but um, you know, this was a team in a in a game that you were hoping that they would get a win tonight, um, especially with the late start and how they have been playing, and it just did not work out in that second
0: half. It didn't. So, this is the post-UConn edition. Georgetown had its two-game winning streak snapped tonight to the Huskies, seventy to fifty-seven. In a game, honestly, where I wasn't sure Georgetown was going to find a way to get to 57 points, Kudus Wahab had another double-double, 18 points and 10 rebounds, although he did have five of the Hoyas' 15 turnovers. James Booknight and R.J. Cole, who previously played locally for Howard, had 37 of UConn's 70 points. This was the first UConn-Georgetown Big East game since 2013, as the Huskies are back in the conference. And like I said, this was the second time in about a two-week span where Georgetown had a chance to build upon a two-game winning streak and push it to three Big East wins in a row, something that hasn't happened around these parts since January of 2017 when JT3 was still the coach. This is the sixth time a Patrick Ewing team has had a chance to get that third straight Apparently, very elusive Big East win in a row, and they have come up short. And when you look at the schedule, they're going to have one more shot if they were to beat DePaul over the weekend, and then win against Xavier in their final home game of the season. They would travel to Connecticut and have one more shot at getting that third straight Big East win. Okay, so I just kind of try to get everything out. Oh, real quick, too. Mark is kind of a throwback box score. Georgetown only made a season low four three pointers, and then I realized, you know what? Connecticut was two for eleven. That just doesn't happen in twenty twenty one. They did, however, have fifty points in the paint compared to Georgetown's twenty four, and they crushed the Hoyas on the boards. So I just I just said a lot there. What's the first thing that stands out to you? First thing that
1: stands out to me is the fact that Wahab. I believe had a career high or close to a career high and had 18 and 10, but I just didn't feel like he played that, uh, that good of a floor game. I I thought anytime that UConn doubled, um, they made him feel uncomfortable. He still, when he goes into a move, he still always has to put the ball on the floor first. So despite what the numbers say, and when, if you're just hunting box scores, it's impressive five for six from the field, eight for 12 from the free throw line. 10 rebounds, but if you actually watch the game, you didn't get that feel that this was a dominating performance, and you still see a lot of holes in this game. Now, he's still a freshman, I mean a sophomore, and he has a long way to go. But tonight I really thought, despite the numbers, that he struggled. Now, I do believe that Ewing can help him. If you notice, he is a lot more comfortable if he receives the ball in the middle of the lane as opposed to above one of the two boxes where it's easier to double. So maybe you look to get him the ball um, to the middle of the lane more than, than usual to help him out until he can start to have the feel to recognize those double teams. But that was the thing that jumped out to me the most.
0: You know, 15 turnovers for this Georgetown team, I think you might sign up for that before every game right that's that's kind of a number that they're going to have to win with he did have five of them I'm going to be honest it felt like he had more you were on the call and Patrick Ewing was you know talking about how they kind of took Blair out of it and that's what I noticed as well I mean Connecticut came out they just defended like they had six guys on the court Georgetown couldn't even get a shot up it's 10 nothing before you know it and to me it seemed like you know what we're going to let Kudus Wahab beat us. If he beats us, you know what? That's fine. We're not going to let Javon Blair get off 12 three-pointers. Javon was one for five. He extended his streak. I think it's 30 or 31 games now in a row. Second game in a row where he only had one. So he's living on the edge on that streak. You know, Pickett kind of came back to earth. He was 0 for 5, 3 for 12 overall. You know, when you go 4 for 19, no one really did anything from deep. But didn't it kind of seem like they were just like, we're going to take away your perimeter? And Georgetown usually is cool with just okay we like playing inside out right
1: yeah and they did do a great job of picking out um the perimeter and also making you shoot over contest now pickett did have two wide open threes that he missed both but yeah. for the most part they were making you shoot um shoot over contest or they were making you shoot out of your regular spots that you get the touches in your offense so in that sense they did a really really good job And unless you have a dominating inside game and you're better on the defensive end, it is just hard to win games um, when you're just trying to depend on a two-point shot. With that being said, UConn shot 2 for 11 from three. So um, in that case, um, Georgetown should have been able to stay close whether they forced the offense inside the line or not. And that probably adds to the disappointment of the performance of tonight's game.
0: So, like I said, you were on the call. I asked Patrick what I thought was, because this game, look, we've seen this story. They get in a big hole. Ewan calls timeout. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And, yes, they were in the game, but they never, in my opinion, got it into their comfort zone of where they wanted to go. So I asked a big-picture question I thought of. It's not like they're on, like, a huge heater. They've won four or six. They've had – now two two game winning streaks which okay it's baby steps for them but I kind of just said hey is the next step for this program to put together a longer streak to be able to come out after having some success and not just come out so flat because on the outside that's what it looks like to me like like everyone's got to get on the same page everyone's got to I don't know what it is they're not doing or doing but it's obviously not translating he kind of you know brushed it off like you know hey we were in the game. We were winning at the half, which is true, because Sibley, out of nowhere, hit a three-pointer. I think it's his second of the season. He did, he, did, he doesn't really even play that much. And while it is true they were in the game with five minutes left, it, it never really looked like they were in the game. What do you think about the idea of, you know, if I asked you that question, like, doesn't that seem like something that they do need to get over the hump as as a program? As a program,
1: definitely. And Especially in a season like this when you have a veteran squad and you look around the country with all the COVID uh stops and starts and such, that veteran squads have really performed probably better than the younger squad squads, definitely um better than the young one and done programs. So I thought the question was fair. And then also you're four years into your tenure here. You have to be able to have a team that can do that. So, no, I think that the question was fair, and this team should have been able somewhere in the schedule have had a three- or four-game winning streak just because you did bring back so much experience, and then you had experience transferred in. Now, granted, you can say that you're playing with a freshman point guard, which always makes it a little bit more difficult, but – that freshman point guard also is surrounded by a lot of veteran presence. So, no, I think it was a very fair question. And the thing is, if this program ever wants to turn around, it's something that needs to be addressed and it's something that needs to happen.
0: Yeah. I do think it's pretty consistent, though, for Patrick to always answer questions in the moment. You know, I know a couple weeks ago when things – weren't going as well as they are now. Maybe it was right before the pause, just, you know, hey, do you need to start playing the freshman? Are there other things you want to accomplish this season? You know, maybe outside of wins and losses. And he's always very quick to say, no, I want to win the next game. And he definitely coaches like that. So I think that's just maybe kind of who he is, you know, as we've got to know him over the last four years now. Wow, four years doesn't seem that long. But um, yeah, I think he's more likely to answer a question in the short term. And that's just kind of, you know, that's kind of who he is, which is fine. You mentioned Dante Harris. Ron asked a question of grades. And, you know, he had the great quote, you know, no one got a good grade, we got our asses kicked, something like that. I felt like Dante Harris played pretty well. If you had to give a high mark to anybody, who would you give it to?
1: It would have been, it definitely would have been Harris. I think he's gotten better um, in these little small bites. Uh, he's taking care of the ball better. He's getting them into the offense better, even though tonight w- was not a great example of, of a point guard getting his team to the offense just because Georgetown, and I wish I had charted this, they were consistently starting their offense from the hash mark. And in college basketball, you're not going to have a success trying to run any of your action if your, your starting point is out there between the hash mark in center court but for the most part i thought he played well i think his decision making has gotten a little bit better i know as soon as i say that people will bring up uh, a couple of his passes to wahab that were down by his ankles one led to a jump ball another one led to a turnover um but he's getting better in little bite um probably was the best player out there uh tonight for georgetown but um with that being said, with their struggles, I, I don't know, you know, how much credit you want to give to the whole best player of the night award.
0: Yeah, no, I just I just had it written down. I guess he's done some things. It seems like he's really made moves with purpose, and there's obviously no – well, I'm sure there's, there's a way to chart everything, but there's I, – I, I don't have it. But it just seems like he's gotten so good at splitting two defenders – And going north, you know, I feel like he's become a very efficient ball handler, decision maker, you know, the stat lines, you know, it's nothing really pops out, but you know, 10 points, four for 11, he struggles shooting the deep ball. I would have thought he had more free throws than he did. It just seems like he's done a good job. I guess maybe he just made a couple more. I think he does a good job getting to the rim, three assists, two turnovers. He had three steals. He did have the worst plus minus on the team, minus 18, but I just think for me, and I know sometimes I get annoyed when people say this, the eye test. I think recently, and I'm not even grading on the curve anymore of him being an unheralded recruit because, you know, we're so far past that now. I just think he's playing and he moves with a purpose. Do you see any of that?
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. And that's what I mean by little bites. Just earlier in the season, it just seems like he was just out of control. He didn't know how to get the guys the ball where they should get it. Uh, just little things like that, that he has certainly shored up. His defense has gotten better um, at times. I think maybe Coach Ewan has oversold his defense, but his defense definitely has gotten a lot better, and he's proven that he can run a team. Now, the the next step for Georgetown is, if this guy is indeed your point guard of your future, can you put around the um the right structure where he can be even more impactful with, as you said earlier, getting to the rim, setting guys up, doing those things, and those guys complete um, his good basketball decisions. Tonight was an example of that. And going forward, as he develops, some of these veteran guys, they need to finish off some of the good decisions that Harris is starting to make.
0: So I have to ask, do you use anything to stay up for these late-night games? I was going with the... Cherry Vanilla Coke. I know if you're listening, you can, you know, oh, roll your eyes. How much sugar is in that? Blah, blah, blah. I don't drink coffee, so I haven't gotten on the Matumbo coffee train. If I want to stay up, the last thing in the world I'm going to do is have an adult beverage because that will just put me to bed.
1: Yes, I use V8 Hydrate (laughs) and I have water. Uh, Usually, I am a big coffee guy. Okay. So usually... Sometimes I do um, go and get some coffee. I'll get a 24-ounce coffee. I'm not here to give anyone any free pub, but there's a few (laughs) um, chain coffee places that I will um, get coffee with. But no, tonight it was the V8 Hydrate, um, some water, and uh, more than a couple snickerdoodles uh, that kept me
0: up. Oh, snickerdoodles. You know, I don't know about you. It seems like you multitask a lot. I mean, I see you tweeting about the G League. Um, you are you know, you're coaching in tournaments. It seems like there's a lot going on. And I struggle during the game between I'm trying to take some notes. I've got Twitter up. And by the way, the stats, one of the biggest things is going to be we get back in these arenas. I don't like looking at the stat page because it's ahead yeah. of the TV. You know, so it's yes. it's like spoiler alert. So anyway, so between that and then you know, if people try and text and call me during the game, I know I texted you once. I just can't handle all the things going on at once and you know, actually paying attention to the game. Yeah, there's no doubt. So what I do
1: is <laughs> if I'm here and obviously we're we're doing a lot of this from our home, I will have like tonight the Georgetown game was on the big TV. Yeah. Um, I generally try not to stream a second game on on one of my devices um, so I can pay specific attention and, and as you say, take notes. Uh, it all depends on if I'm coming on with you or not and how I'm doing it because what I do is if I am streaming a second or a third game, I always record, and then when I get up in the morning, I will watch the game for a second time, and then don't watch this one. out of it.
0: <laughs> don't watch this one.
1: Right, <laughs> like um, you know, my morning tomorrow morning, my first watch will be um, uh, VCU's game that they played at six o'clock. Um, you talk about multitasking. I was at a basketball practice at six o'clock, so. You know, I'll go and watch VCU um, in the morning. You know, I'll watch Georgetown again, and it'll be tough. But, you know, it's kind of the coach in me. You know, sometimes we got to watch tough
0: tough film. So Georgetown, let's see if we're updated. Let's see if everything's updated. So the Hoyas are now 7-11, and and they are 5-8 and in the conference, which still – were there other Big East games tonight? Villanova blew out St. John's. Oh, I was yes. watching some of that. I saw that. Oh. Well, the reason I asked that is because I've got the I've got the Big East standings up, and Georgetown still in eighth place. Obviously, all the schools haven't played the same amount of games, but they. DePaul's in last. Butler ten. Marquette nine. Hoyas are holding strong at eight. Let me see. Were there any games tonight in the Big East?
1: Nope, the only other one was St John's Villanova,
0: okay, and that was a blowout. I think it's important if Georgetown can kind of avoid that well, it'd be hard to fall in the last place, but they had a real shot tonight. Connecticut entered seven and six. Georgetown was five and seven. They could have both ended the night with seven losses, and Georgetown really had a chance to maybe avoid Wednesday at the garden, which is gonna be six versus eleven. Seven verse 8 verse nine. Now they're probably they're probably pretty much locked in there. Although there's an outside shot. One, two, three, four. Fifth place right now is Xavier, which is five and four. I don't. Even, I mean, I don't know how many games they're they're going to end up getting in, but it looks like they're probably locked in for Wednesday in the Garden. They probably needed to win out to avoid that. You know, outside of this three game winning streak that I keep fantasizing about which is a pretty low fantasy for my end. What do you think they can um, accomplish here before the Big East tournament?
1: I think that if they could get a game where one or two of the freshmen play well enough early on that Patrick trusts them to give them more minutes and they actually do something with their more minutes. Nothing shocked me more tonight than seeing TJ Berger come in out of nowhere and the Hoyas playing zone for like a good 13 seconds and then getting out of zone and then Berger uh, eventually coming out the game. But I really do think, and and Sibley probably has the best chance. And when I say freshman, obviously I'm not talking about Harris, uh, one of the ones that come off the bench. I think Sibley has um, the best chance to get earned additional minutes within a game. And I would like to see that happen before the end of the
0: season. Well, okay. And that's something I had written down. First of all, surprising, he knocks down that three at the buzzer, give the Hoyas the lead. They hey, they shot 26% in the first half. They had 26 points. You don't see that combination a whole lot. I thought that that might earn him some more minutes. It really didn't.
1: No, he was still stuck on nine, and, and uh, Ewan didn't go back with him, which was a little bit disappointing. And then when he did go back with him, there was, he got a ball in the corner and he held it. If he shot the three, I think Ewing wouldn't have been upset. He had Wahab coming down. He could have thrown it inside, and he just kind of held it. And that showed me right then and there that he still isn't in the place where he can make a definitive decision. As I always tell players, when you get to a high level, you have about 0.5 seconds to make a decision, not to complete what you're going to do, but to make a decision. And it's obvious he's not there yet, and partially probably is because he hasn't had
0: enough court minutes. Talking, as you know, with Marcus Washington, and you can go back and look at everything he said during the game on Twitter, at MTC with Mook. I put this out on Twitter yesterday or a couple of days ago, and a couple people, or maybe it was just one person, a back and forth. I said how cool I thought it was that tomorrow – Marquette is playing UNC. They both needed a game. I know last week, UNC took to Twitter trying to find a game, which, by the way, Georgetown was available, okay? And they got Northeastern. This week, you know, Marquette needs a game. They get UNC. I thought that was great. At the end of the day, it's all about playing games. What do you think about that? And how cool do you think it would have been if we could have had some sort of Jordan brand in-season invitational with, you know, Hoyas at UNC last week and then Marquette gets in the mix. It's great, right? Yeah, I do uh, think it's great. And North
1: Carolina did a great job picking up that game because, you know, as you probably can tell, a lot of times when those games are picked up, they're not against another team from a major conference. Yeah. So that would have been good, but it would have been great. Hey, I would have even taken if Georgetown would have played North Carolina. I think that would have been awesome. You have two teams that are built in a traditional sense of having a bunch of bigs, two teams that can get hot from three, but also could just shoot like you can't throw it in the ocean. Both teams want to um, push the ball. Both teams have freshman point guards. All of the storylines would go on and on and on that. I would have liked to have seen that um, from a Georgetown perspective. I probably would have liked to have seen them pick up anyone um, oh, yeah, to play a game.
0: Yeah, no, I went from a couple of weeks ago really wanting it to be Mason. And then I think it was last week, Georgetown and JMU where I went. We, they're actually having a really good season this year. First time in a while. They have a first year coach. They had an availability. I never got so so bold as to think UNC was a possibility, but I think that that's great. And, you know, I think one of the positives of the pandemic, both, you know, just, I'm just talking purely sports and I'm not trying to get a serious, you know, sports is just kind of a distraction most of the time from real life. But one of the positives out of this season and the, you know, the difficulties and the changes is we've learned that you don't need to schedule games 20 years in advance like they do in college football, not as much in basketball, but they still do it in advance, and I think that one of the positives with Marquette and UNC playing is, you know what, maybe they'll decide that they like each other and they'll pick up a game, you know, outside of this or, you know, wherever they're playing. I think they're playing at UNC. Maybe UNC will decide they want to go to, they want to take a trip to Milwaukee. So I think that could be one of the added benefits. Um, I know during college football, a nerd like me, one of the best games all year, at least from the the hype at the moment, was BYU went down to coastal carolina. Yes. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah,
1: no, I I do think that um we did get a good um a good indication that schedules don't have to be made so far in advance, but my big thing is I'm hoping that what we'll see is that more teams will be willing to uh kind of beef up their schedule a little bit and take those chances. And that we haven't seen uh, in the past and not hide so much. So like you said, in North Carolina's case, maybe ends up being a situation where they decide, Hey, look, I do like playing Marquette and let's give them a return game. Yeah. Um, And that would be good. I think everyone would benefit from that.
0: So I don't think I've had you on in a couple games. I don't know if I've talked to you since I talked to Javon Blair And he didn't give me an answer, which I didn't think he would, which he probably doesn't even know the answer. Uh, Blair said he hadn't really thought about it. You know, he's focused on the now, totally legit answer. Also a very good non-answer. What do you think? Do you think which which, which of these Georgetown seniors would most benefit the team? Obviously the players have their own, you know, agendas of what do they want to do? Do they want to work on a master's? Do they have opportunities to play, you know, you know, domestically or abroad, but just when you look at it from the Georgetown angle of what we think is going to be on the court next year, if you had to pick one of these seniors, which one do you think would, or multiple ones would, would provide the biggest boost coming back and using the extra year that they're all getting? I would say Blair
1: and Carey, yeah, um, Pickett. I don't think that Pickett can benefit from playing in college any longer. Um, so I don't know how much that would help out Georgetown. Uh I think Pickett with his skill set uh needs to go ahead and take that next step in his career. And so uh Blair and Kerry, I think would be the two that I would like to see come back if if they would want to entertain that sort of uh decision. Because I don't think either one of those two are going anywhere post-Georgetown anytime soon, um, unless there's a a demand
0: for them somewhere on the international market. Oh, the international market. That sounds so cool. I'll tell you what, there's never been a demand for me on the international market. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even been out of the country that, that... I will tell you what, Costa Rica was awesome. I went there for some surf and some soccer and it was the success all around but I don't think there was a demand for me I don't don't think so anything else I'm missing I know it's really late what else did I have written down is there anything that I haven't talked about that was really really uh, bothering you it doesn't have to be pop tart related
1: no 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 I was impressed and I I know this is a, a Georgetown thing and not a Georgetown opponents thing but I was um very impressed and very happy to see RJ Cole uh play again. And you know, he was at Howard and he had a decent night and Lord knows it seems like he got to every fifty fifty ball uh a term by the way that I hate. Um every fifty fifty ball tonight. Uh so it was good to see him come back to the D
0: C area and, and play well. Oh. Something that I tweeted that i don't know if you caught it or not okay so i didn't like tonight's announcers so much though so that i'm not even sure i know their names okay (laughs) and this isn't just me picking on them this is in general let me go back and see if i can find the way i actually phrased it but something to the effect of okay i have a new rule for broadcasters you can only mention a player or coach." as being underrated if you are willing to tell me something or if you're willing to tell me someone who is overrated. That's a legitimate point. (laughs) I mean, you're never going to get it because it's not their job, I guess to, but it just seems like you watch a game and because they're doing that game, most of the people watching that game are interested in both teams. So you're sitting there and even if your team's losing, you can say, Oh, well, so-and-so is underrated and you feel all good about that. But, if that's true, tell me someone that's overrated. Tell me someone that we keep hearing about that doesn't really deserve it. That seems fair, right? I think it's fair. I think it's very
1: dicey. But, yes, I think, I think it's I think it's fair because underrated is just one of those um, nine times out of ten when someone uses it. Um, it's just wasteful. It's like wasteful fire, you know?
0: Yeah, it's just something you say when you're just kind of – Trying to be nice, chit-chat, and they're basically chatting with us, except we can never respond. Whoever that commentator was, and by the way, I missed Pete Gillen. I missed Steve Lapis. You can't, everyone can't be underrated. By definition, there's gotta be some people that are overrated. And I, I get this the most too for the NCA tournament, whenever that comes out. You know, you'll hear people hemming and hawing about, you know, so and so was, you know, screwed. They they should have been in. Okay. Tell me someone that's in that should be out. Yes. Yes. Right. Like. Agree. Y- you know, you you can't put, you know, eighty teams in the tournament. So, oh, you want to tell me that UConn got 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 hosed, and they they should be in? Well, then tell me how Maryland shouldn't be. You know, or tell me how Colorado State or you know pick a team that was on the fringe, and say what are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah, no, uh, that's
1: that's very very fair.
0: Fair and unrealistic to happen. Right. Right. Both.
1: Definitely. I'm sure I already know the answer to this question. I ask it anyway. Yeah. Was there um, any scenario where you are heading to the big East tournament?
0: No, I applied, but that was just so I could be part of the zooms. That makes sense. You know, because it's not going to be, you know, we're, you know, the zooms now are controlled by the school's, once they get to the Big East and NCAA and all that stuff, uh, it's going to be controlled by, you know, the conference or the tournament. So, no, it's a lost year. You know, watch Georgetown probably make a run for the first time in forever, and I'm not going to be able to be there to see it. But uh, it's just not going to work out. I also had a bit of a – I guess this has turned into Bobby Reads Own Tweets – you get your own podcast you can do that as well i'm sure it'll get great ratings just like mine <laughs> <laughs> anyway i had this one that i was kind of needling and there was one michigan fan that kind of kept coming back and i should have just you know i should have just blocked or not blocked him but muted him so i was a little bit annoyed when i turned on the tv at 8:55 after you know putting my kid to bed and i saw how much time was left in the michigan state illinois game so I knew I knew the Georgetown game was one gonna start late, two, they're probably gonna flip it to like, you know, FS2 or something, which is which is what they did. But I said, can't FS one just cut this Michigan State Illinois game early with a spoiler alert that says neither of these teams nor anyone from their conference will win the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny that I say that because I'm one of the biggest people. That says teams win championships, conferences don't. You know, I hate SEC football. Like, Mississippi State isn't any good because Alabama is, okay? That didn't help them. When Villanova wins the national championship, it doesn't help Georgetown. Maybe they get a couple units, however they divvy up the tournament, you know, stuff. But it doesn't actually make that other team better. But there's just something I find to be, it's amazing that they haven't won the tournament since Michigan State did it in 2000. That's that's crazy.
1: That is crazy. And and it also tells you how hard and I am happy you said the same thing about the conference and how people act like a conference when somehow
0: it doesn't uh, help yeah.
1: you out individually. Cause I absolutely positively hate that.
0: No, it doesn't do anything. I mean, that's I think what fans of schools that stink were like, Well, hey, we're in a good league. So <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you, are you good in the good league or are you picking up, right. you know, are you down there collecting dust, you know? So that was mainly me, you know, maybe hoping to needle a couple of Maryland fans if they were, if they were, um, you know, if they happen to see that, I mean, Maryland, you know, ha, is the most recent team that's currently in the league. That's won a title, although they weren't in the league at that time. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, you know, and so I had some Michigan fan coming at me. And I was just like, hey, man, like, you can have the Big Ten. I'll have the rest of the field. I feel good about my spot. Um, right. That, that, that was about it. I think that's all of my <laughs> of my genius tweets I want to talk about tonight. Do you have any, any uh, gems that uh, you put out that you're just very proud of, like apparently I am?
1: Oh, no, no. The, the only thing that came close was uh, people getting offended. That I suggested that um, that Green from the NBA G League uh, should be drafted ahead of Cade Cunningham and um, and Jalen Suggs, and you know you would have you would have thought that I I pulled off a little child's limbs or something. People were upset with me, but certainly it's not as uh, humorous as as yours.
0: I saw a little bit of that. You know, are those guys on the, what is it? It's the Ignite team? Yes. My
1: my point is that when, um, if you're going to be a one and done, and I get to choose between a player who's getting NBA coaching, playing against NBA talent in, in an NBA environment, which the NBA G League is, um, I think that counts for something. I did not mean that as a shot at Cunningham or Suggs. Both of them will be successful in the NBA, especially Cunningham. Um, I don't think that that's a dig at college basketball. I'm just saying that uh, that experience and what you're getting out of it, to me, is uh, just kind of puts you a little bit more ahead of the curve. Um, I think sometimes that people, especially big college fans of the 1990s, um, they want to view um, being in college for a year as equitable to the NBA G League, and it's not, and it's and it's not close. So uh, yeah, I, I and I knew I, I knew I'd cheese people off, and the 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 type of people that I cheese off were the people who I thought I would. But um, I didn't say it just to get a rise out of people. I do think there's a lot of value um, to spending your first year as a professional player in that environment.
0: Yeah, and I think also that, you know, not every freshman is ready to play in that league. So it's not going to ruin college sports. And nothing ever will as long as people care about college sports, even if the product goes down, which I would argue college basketball has been down for a while. There's a lot of reasons, and we're not going to get into all of them right now because it's late as hell, and I think I'm almost done with my last cherry vanilla Coke of the evening. But, you know, as long as people care about their school, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I, I mean, we just saw Georgetown Yukon that wasn't winning any beauty contests tonight. Right. But, you know, people root for the laundry and yeah, I, I just, yeah. I mean, like in most cases, it's just, uh, there's an insecurity. And just yeah. because a G league ignite team does well, doesn't mean that college basketball is going to be ruined, you know?
1: It ba- I would say, yeah. And, and I think that if you get more than 240 characters and if people really wanted to have a, uh, um a more intelligent discussion on it i would say that it absolutely positively has no impact on college basketball because every great high school player um could sign a g league select contract i think it has zero impact because those products are so different now and attract such different consumers that i don't think there's anything that college could do to hurt the NBA. And I certainly don't think there's there's anything the NBA can do that's gonna hurt college because the days of it being a direct path and you could sit around there and look at four-year players and draw all these um, conclusions and projections. I mean, those days have been over. I just think a lot of fans don't want to they don't want to accept that because their fear is, oh my gosh, then all the good players will end up in the G League. To which I say, one, what you just said, even if it did happen, you won't stop watching college basketball. And two, the select contracts are limited in number. So, no, that's never going to happen. It's just, it's a lot of paranoia from people who I don't think know how the select contracts and how the NBA and the NBA players association are handling those
0: contracts.
1: Um, But back to what you said, I think it has absolutely positively no impact on college basketball.
0: Man, you know, we didn't talk. Well, first of all, there's a tweet that just hits my soul. I just saw it on tweet deck. It says, Jokic is what I thought Greg Monroe was going to be coming out of Georgetown. Wow. And, I mean, I didn't think. That's okay for thought. Now, look, I didn't think he was going to be like Jokic is right now, but I really thought Monroe's passing ability from the center spot was going to make him a different player. I think Greg's problem is that he just really didn't have an outside shot. I mean, you see, you see, um, you see the Joker make make some threes, you know? Yeah. And Monroe just yeah. just couldn't do that. But I and you know what I I really thought. Monroe was going to be was going to help USA basketball so much I thought internationally his game would translate even maybe even better than what it did in the NBA Mm -hmm. and I was wrong wrong (laughs) (laughs) now that's still not to say I mean, he was a good pro you know but he was his, his him just like Roy Hibbert they kind of just that big and they're they're different kind of bigs. So I'm not trying to say they're like for like, but I think him and Roy Hibbert, you know, just happen to go to the same school. They do have different skill sets, but both of them would have been, would have, would have been bigs that lasted longer in the league 20 years ago.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: But I was going to say, and we'll get out of here on this, I swear. We didn't talk about Georgetown's McDonald's All American. Speaking of Greg Monroe, the first McDonald's All American since Greg Monroe, you know, there's not going to be a McDonald's All American game, but Aminu Muhammad is going. And I think since I had a tweet earlier, I looked it up. Since 2000, you had Vernon Macklin, you had Austin Freeman, you had Chris Wright, and you had Greg Monroe. And I had an asterisk in there too because Josh Smith who started at UCLA and finished at Georgetown was also McDonald's All-American. So that, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, you know, I think people too often look at Chris and Austin as not making the pros and are, you know, they, they don't give them the respect they need. I don't think for being just awesome college players. Uh, Macklin played in the pros a little bit. Uh, Monroe still plays. He's over in Germany. He, You know, I think his last year was two years ago where he bounced. I think he was on, like, four teams in the same year, and he decided to take it overseas, and he was in Bayern Munich. But uh, that's a pretty big deal, right, Getting McDonald's All-American?
1: Yeah, it still certainly has uh, a certain level of cachet, maybe not as big as it once um, did, but it certainly is an honor, and it still does mean something. I think what has taken away from being a mcdonald's all-american and you know you don't want to blame everything on the internet but yes it's the internet and i'll tell you why you yeah. know when i grew up if you were a mcdonald's all-american you watched that game because that was probably the first time that you had ever seen a player that player actually play you'd heard about him read about him in sports illustrated whatever the case may be but you'd never seen him play now there's so many highlights. ESPN shows high school games. They show AAU games. You hear about kids when they're in eighth and ninth grade. By the time they get to this level, you already feel like you know them. And so, yes, it's still an honor. I just don't think it gets super hyped up the way it once did.
0: I mean, I think you're right. Everything has become like that. There's not as much mystery anymore, which is why I think it's cool when you have a kid and you wait until you have your gender reveal party when the doctor pulls that sucker out. Um, yeah. Cause there, there's just not, there's just not enough unknowns in life in my opinion. But yeah, I, I remember as a kid hearing about Othella Harrington and I mean, I don't know, I don't know how I was consuming information at that point, but I was locked into that game because that year, Georgia had two McDonald's all Americans. And I want to say Dwayne Spencer, who ended up transferring to LSU, he was committed when when the game started, and Harrington was kind of choosing between Georgetown and maybe one or two other schools. And I remember just like, I got to watch this. I got to. I got to see what this guy's about, you know? And uh, I don't know. Because now it's like you could just Google Aminu Muhammad, and you can just, you know, watch all of his highlights, right?
1: Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. Kids, you know, go to... Uh one of the notable AAU tournaments and kids on their phones, they are just, it's YouTube, it's overtime, it's It's like all these uh, places that um, cover recruiting and they're putting up highlight after highlight after highlight. And so there's a lot of times though, as much as I'm around basketball, inevitably there's a player that I coach or whatever the case may be and they'll come up, hey coach, have you, have you heard of such and such, or have you seen such and such? And they will pull their phones out, and they they have a complete highlight package that they're showing me of of said kid. And I'm like, wow, because <laughs> like I said, at that age, I was living off of what uh, Sports Illustrated said and what newspapers that I could find on Michael film and Michael Fish said. I certainly wasn't watching highlights.
0: Micro. That makes me think of the Dewey Decimal system. Yes, indeed. When I put this up later, I should go to that immediately and just say, hey, a couple of old guys talking about their experiences at the library. That'll get the clicks. Right. Well, hey. yeah, um, It was awesome talking Georgetown Hoops again with you tonight and hopefully this will be the last Kente Corner after dark. I suppose it's possible. They have a Big East tournament game late. And that might that might bring us back together at this at this crazy hour. But I think the rest of the way, I think we're sailing in with normal normal times. Normal times for the Hoyas as the season is coming to a close. They are seven and eleven with three games left. The dream of finishing above five hundred is now gonna require some heavy lifting in a postseason tournament or two. That's all I got. That's all I got. I'm going to go get a Pop-Tart or something. Marcus, <laughs> it was great.
1: Oh, both, both definitely. I think I'm out Snickerdoodles. So,
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're not, you better, you better finish it off. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to Kente Corner. Find us, subscribe, rate. Aaron always says wherever you find your podcast, which I think is so silly because when I hear someone say that, I'm already listening to the podcast. I've already found it. So I don't like saying that, but I guess I will. Wherever you find your podcast, you can find Casual Hoya. You can find Kente Corner.